globalist is such a weird slur for Jews because it's like I know Jews that won't even like go 10 miles outside of New York City limits. <laughs> it's like we're the least global people in so many ways. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Bituation Room Podcast live stream. My name is Francesca Fiorentini. It's so good to have you here with us live, uh, with us from the future, with us from the past. Maybe all the ghosts are here is what I'm trying to say. Um, So very, very, very happy to have you um, here on the second. God, it feels like it's been way longer in 2023 than it has actually been but the second week of the new year hope everyone is fulfilling their resolutions um to eat more bullshit that's right just indulge indulge life is short that's all i have to say uh, and that's coming from someone who doesn't even really like fast food very much in fact i would say skip the fast food just go to trader joe's snacks that's all you got to do um so excited Today, to have comedian Josh Gondelman on the show for the entire show and the bonus, uh, as well as uh, writer and activist Max Berger, who is going to be breaking down what the hell happened with Sam Bankman Freed or Fried, or I don't know how to, uh, it doesn't matter how to sound his name, say his name anymore, because he is kind of a non entity. However, this crypto bro is um, potentially a warning shot. Uh, as to what we need to look out for in terms of political contributions and super PACs and the financialization of fictional money, uh, things people just invented out of thin air. Uh, I, as someone who doesn't know a lot about the story, I'm very, very excited and curious to dig into it and also terrified. So make sure you are liking the like button and you are giving the podcast five stars if you're listening. Um, on iTunes, you know that helps people find the show. Write us a sweet little review. I'll always appreciate a review. And of course, if you want access to the bonus episode, which I'll be doing with Josh, about Mr. Afro Man. I don't know if it's Mr. Afro Man. Afro Man, the musician who uh, of um, Because I Got High fame, if you guys know that song, I was going to go to work. Well, then I got high. You know that song? Great song. Um, he's got a new hit out. And based on not smoking weed, but p- the police in Ohio raiding his home over weed. And he's got a lot of uh, just great camera footage. And I want to talk about it. He 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 kind of breaks down what happened to him. And so Josh and I are going to listen to the song and delve into it. It's pretty amazing. So patreon.com slash bituation room if you want to Get access to that and access to a backlog of all of our shows. Um, Extended time. Last week I talked about Brazil. Today we're going to talk about Brazil on the main show because, of course. Um, And you get 20% off all merch. Bituationroom.com is where you get that. Um, But that's automatic. There are other perks there. Um, Recommendations for guests. Um, AMAs, which I sort of stopped doing. Because nobody has any questions for me because, uh, oh, we we wanted to do, I may bring out some more books at some point. We're going to do a rundown of the sh- books on my bookshelf that I haven't read since college. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but in case you didn't know, y'all, The Bituation Room is live. Live. Like, actually physically present 
Sunday, January 22nd at 8 p.m. at Piano Fight Bar in San Francisco, part of SF Sketchfest. My guests are going to be John Idarola of The Damage Report, Robert Evans of Behind the Bastards podcast, and comedian and regular contributor to this show, Nato Green. It's going to be so good. I'm trying to think about, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to start with? Are we going to do some stand-up, you know? Uh, it, it should be very, very fun. So get your tickets, sfsketchfest.com. Please support the show. Come out. Um, everyone will be safe. We'll be masked. Uh, but Mama will be having a cocktail. Uh, and now when I say Mama, it actually applies because I am one. Um, and it's not weird. Also, if you want to tip the show, tbr-live on Venmo, tbr-live on Cash App, except any and all little sweet tips from the Frantifa. And with that, let's see if this is correct. Let's jump into this, guys. What's got under... What's crawled up your ass and died today, okay? This is What Are You Bitching About? I'm seeing some comments that people think the music, the new music, uh, which is by DJ Real, a good friend of mine, is too serious. But shouldn't it be in these times, right? Shouldn't we take ourselves just a little bit more seriously? Don't you think we should cancel more people? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, look, you guys, I like the music. I think it's got to have a little news edge. Yes, it's a pretty big pendulum swing from Kevin McLeod's crazy clown piano. Um, Maybe we can drunkify it at some point, but no, I like it. You got to have a little bit of, look, if we want to make this show, if I'm going to pitch this show to HBO eventually, you got to have some, you know, it's got to be the music, music first. Uh, anyway, what are you guys bitching about? Okay, I've got a few things. <sighs> I could bitch about, like, my problems with certain leftists, but I don't want to talk shit today. Uh, no, I'm bitching about, so my kid, and if you're triggered by baby news, just, you can, you know, go fuck off. But um, my my baby turned three months. Very exciting. Three months, we made it. She We have, like, a window here where she's going to be, like, pleasant and adorable until she reaches some four-month awful sleep regression thing which we're hoping to stave off um all of this you might think is boring because like i don't have a kid what do i care you were once a baby and everyone was brought into this world the same way you didn't get to skip and just become a skinny jean fucking 32 year old fuck boy all right at one point you were a little baby and you had your stupid ass sleep regression and your mom was tired and fed you anyway and was like you just ate but now you're crying on me and blah so anyway that's why that's my excuse what i'm bitching about is here we, here we are we're getting to the three months mark you tell me how was it in your family your mom your parents my mom went back to work at three months right and a lot of people because if you have a full-time job if you're lucky uh you get three months um, you get that's maternity leave in this country is three months. P parental leave is three months in most places. And um, it's not enough. It's fucking terrible. I can't imagine going home, going to work every single day, driving into an office um, at this stage. Why? Not only because it's super early. They're still so small. They're still so helpless. They still need you. If you want to keep nursing it's so much easier than pumping and pumping and pumping. I can't afford childcare, so I'd have to have someone come and like stay with the baby, right? But on top of that, 
the baby's just getting real cute. Like, like in this moment of, you know, the first couple months, they're just like, feed me, I'm blah, you know, like feed, sleep, barely eyes open, blah. But like, you know, now they're like, oh, I'm imitating your sounds. Mama got jokes. You got funny faces. I'm responding. And then you have to be like, bye, I'm going to go work for my wage slave lord, whatever, my awful wage slave job. I'm going to make content for BuzzFeed or whatever. You know what I mean? One of the jobs that I will eventually seek when I give up on this whole go it alone thing. You know what I'm saying? I'll be like, hey, BuzzFeed, how could you hire me? No, but what I'm saying is it's fucked. And in other countries, you get it six months, you get a year. I believe it. What is it in Denmark? It's like, why don't you take five years? That's not a Danish accent, but you know what I'm saying. Take a full five. Oh, yes, we'll be paying you. Um, I want that, guys. We deserve it. We wonder, look, yes, gun control, but just give us parental leave. I guarantee you fewer mass shooters. Okay, depends on the parent who they're spending time with. But the point is, most likely fewer mass shooters. More cuddles, fewer mass shooters. We need paid parental leave for much longer. And finally, I'll just say, and this is on a serious note, given COVID and everything, you know who's left the workforce to take care of their kids? Moms. Moms have left in droves. Women generally and moms more particularly have left the workforce. Um, so Republicans are getting their fucking way, right? All they want is for the you know women and moms to be back in the house, back in the kitchen, and then suddenly, I don't know, their dicks are going to increase like an inch, right? Isn't that how it works? It's like then you make the pot pie for them, you raise their kids, and their dicks grow an inch. Have I demonetized this show yet? I think so. Um, all right. Let me move on and bring in my guest. Uh, he spent five years at Last Week Tonight with John Oliver and was the head writer for Jesus and Marrow. He's also the author of the book Nice Try and his debut stand-up special People Pleaser is out now. The guy has so much going for him. <laughs> Josh, Thank you. Thanks so much. So nice to see you. Nice to see you and a very fly sweater. Uh, oh, thank you. For those of you that's very cute. I thank you. Now. Since Jesus and Marrow, and thanks for the welcomes in the comments. Um, since Jesus and Marrow uh, unfortunately ended, I've been mostly focusing on sweater wearing. <laughs> so I feel like I've been doing pretty well. Very important. I love thank that. You. It's um reminds me of like a reductress headline of like woman quits job to track packages full time. Oh yeah, I love reductress. They're so funny. Yes. So good. Uh, and not not a lie. Definitely. I'm like, and where is my package? Yeah. Where's my new sweater? Mm -hmm. um, Josh, what are you bitching about this fine Tuesday? So I have a pretty hack complaint, which is I'm, I'm going to complain about airlines, um, which, mm. look, it's if they wanted us to stop complaining about it, uh, they would be better. And they haven't been. <laughs> and they're, they're bad in new ways, which I think is like they're changing the game. So I think we're, it's our, it's incumbent on us to, uh, to continue to grouse about them. I, I don't know yeah. like if it's just that I'm older and like get achy faster, but it feels like the situation is like truly worse than it's, than it's been in my life. And with the, with the exception of just after nine 11, when, um, when airport just did whatever they wanted and and we were like yeah yes. well we're living in fear you just do what do what you got to do um which was a bad also a bad time but this is yeah this is bad in different ways like it it's and it's gone from like 
complaints about airlines, right? To like, oh, the food is small. That's what we used to complain about comedians talking about airplanes. Right. But now it's like the whole experience of air travel is a microcosm of what goes wrong when the government props up giant companies with incentives to serve shareholders instead of customers, right? Like it's a different yes. kind of complaint. It feels like every flight is oversold. There's not room for uh, everybody's bags. So they're already mad at you for that because everyone's bringing their bags onto the plane because you have to pay so right, much because, to check them. Yes. And now on some airlines, you have to pay to bring a uh, carry-on bag. And it's just like, they're they're really squeezing everything they can out of us, right? The And, and, and it's just like, things go wrong meanwhile the meanwhile first first class no but first class gets like bigger and yes. bigger and bigger yes, yes, and yes. all the premiums you know and meanwhile like the other like we by the way gareth reynolds who was on last week just scooped you on this exact complaint, oh my god it is very it's very apropos because of we're on the other side of this southwest meltdown yes. um like and so i was bitching also he's refused to take airlines he's just driving wow, everywhere now to all of his shows which is amazing and hard uh it takes a lot of time but like just kind of like i'm not going to give these fools any more money because they and we all know they're just buying back their yes. stock they're overinflating it but like also the overselling of flights i just meanwhile you're like you you get to the flight and they're like would you like three thousand dollars to switch your flight and you're like no i mean i've seen it start at like 200 yes, yeah. and you're like no right come on but the this is the, you see it right like even on a a flight where the first class isn't like especially luxurious um you know it's yeah. just bigger seats that are like the size of a person that you could sit in um it's still like a ratio of like two in first class to three so like in oh, so yeah. once you get past first class they're like you're two-thirds of what a rich person is to us um no exactly and speaking of babies i saw this babies and also um people with disabilities um like first class should just be for people who physically mm -hmm. need more room yeah for whatever reason reason they use a wheelchair which we know we've seen the horror stories we've mm -hmm. heard the horror stories we've friends who've like had horror stories of being treated like cattle because they use wheelchairs mm -hmm. um, or have some other necessity and are in disability. And then parents, like everyone hates a screaming baby. Yeah. And like, if you gave the parents a little bit more space, yep. you know, maybe you wouldn't have a screaming baby and you wouldn't have to be next to that baby. Just put them in the first class or the place with more space anyway, and give everyone a little bit more. I, it's just, there's so this much. This is my conspiracy theory because, yes. because of how close the quarters are, I really have mm -hmm. trouble like reading physically a book now on a plane. And so I think <laughs> you do that. Wow. I think this is well, I did I did yesterday. I finished a book you that can't I started. Even... And it's nice. physically just like I don't want to be in someone else's space. That's rude. I don't want to, you know, I can't like lean back because there's no space there. So I think the airlines are trying to make us dumber by making the seats smaller. That's my full-on conspiracy theory. Right, you can't even extend your arms to read. They're just yep. yeah. That was the thing in Wally that we missed. Was that actually the yeah screens being put too close to your face right for here. you to actually to physically read? Um, so that's my conspiracy theory. I'm sorry that I that I duplicated a complaint. I have plenty of other things to complain about, but just no. yesterday that was mine. And it's also like it's such a it's such a prominent thing, right? It's it's like a business where there is no incentive for them to do better. And then when you ask anything of them, not the customer service, but, you know, I don't want to complain about like individual employees who are not 
profiting from this system but like right. the, the the airlines top-down attitude is like oh we screwed up oh isn't that cute you know what i mean it's like oh you oh you want to get where you're going where you bought the ticket you want to cry about it and uh and i just feel like it's so infuriating that businesses are allowed to be run that way and there's like unless you're gonna do a gareth does and just drive there's like so little um there's so no. little way to compensate absolutely and i do think we need to support uh and and um, someone who actually worked for an airline listens to this show and I don't want to sh call them mm -hmm. out because I believe it was a private message, but like, you know, we have to support unions, yeah. you know, and we have to support the airline workers unions um, in all aspects and also the pilots like we've seen ever since I learned about how awful pilots are tr on mm -hmm. commercial flights are treated and their horrible schedules i like i'm one of those people like i thank them really enthusiastically yeah. leaving i'm like no no thank you like and even the shorter flights are even more mm -hmm. like are shittier to the to the pilot schedule is and anyway just like we just yeah they need to go on fucking strike and when they do because they will we all need to support it we all need to remember that this is actually a good reason to have my flight delayed is airline workers and and um yeah but let's move on for now uh we've got a lot to cover this week here's a few stories uh after 15 rounds of votes representative kevin mccarthy kevin mccarthy that's how you say it after 15 rounds of votes kevin mccarthy was successfully voted in as speaker of the house after he capitulated to the petulant nazi dweeb faction of the gop it is a bit of a relief to know they finally put country over party until you realize just how country they're going. <laughs> Real country. All right, guys. Super country. I uh, don't want that kind of treat. Um, Diamond of the Trump-loving duo Diamond and Silk has died of unknown COVID, I mean causes. Her death is a tragedy for her family, but mostly Trump since single-handedly uh, her death reduced his black vote by about 7%, um, which is fittingly the same percent of times that he answered her phone calls. So take that, Trump. Um, R.I.P. Diamond. Two men in California um, accidentally lit themselves on fire while trying to burn down an immigrant services center. Now, ironically, that center helps immigrants file their taxes which is really funny to be against and mad at that being like, I hate immigrants who are funding the emergency room that I'm currently getting my burns treated in. Ah, <laughs> uh, idiots. Prince Harry has come out with a book in which he said that his brother, Prince William, physically attacked him during an argument and that he admitted to also killing 25 Afghans uh, while he was in the military. Uh, Apparently, they were all just talking shit about Meghan Markle. And that's actually how the Afghan war um, was continued. That's what the surge was about, was talking shit about Meghan Markle. Anyway, buy the great man's book. Buy this murderous, wonderful man's book. For everything else, this is The Week Where. This was The Week Where the Trump of the Tropics inspired his very own January 6th wannabe coup um again a, a radicalized facebook radicalized coup without the backing of the military in fact just a bunch of dudes in green and yellow yes this all happened in brazil we're talking about 
mass demonstrations, thousands of people outside of the capital, Brasilia, and the parliament there. It was a Sunday, so nobody was home, which, again, gives me a lot of vibes when, like, we used to protest the war on the weekends, and we were like, man, this would have been way cooler if we were downtown. <laughs> like, Wall Street bros were trying to get to Wall Street, but they're not there, and so there's just, like, random tourists who are like, where is the Abercrombie and Fitch? And you're like, ah, stop the war, you know? Um, anyway, but... So, yes, they this was very much a replica um, of what happened on January 6th here in the United States. A um, couple of clips for you in case you missed it. Um, here is just a bunch of them beating up a cop on horseback. I'm sure that horse is fine. That's just great. I, that horse. I thought that was a video of why the show Luck on HBO was canceled. <laughs> is that about a horse? Oh yeah, it was about it was about some horses, <laughs> and there was some like <laughs> horse peril on set allegedly. <laughs> horse peril. Oh my god, that's that's really mm -hmm. funny. Um, justice for that horse. Like I generally, I feel like horses don't have. Anyway, the point is is. That's fucked up. <laughs> Usually when I see mounted police, I we do the like get those animals off those horses mm -hmm. chance. But um, but yes, that that was one thing. Then here's a dude just holding the Constitution. That's fun. Okay, I didn't add that music, but uh, that's dope. So, um, fifteen hundred uh, Bolsonaro supporters have been arrested, um, and their little insurrection has been cleared. Um, Lula da Silva, the current president, has said that he will bring people to justice who were involved in this, um, and even Bolsonaro himself has said that this is not a way to protest. That these these protests, this coup, was illegal. However, he's also like, um, let's not be like the left was in 2013 and 2017. And in his tweet, he was basically like, you know, stop this. But the left also does it. So this is my problem. I think he's inciting mm -hmm. it right with his subliminal messaging because he's in Orlando now. And we all know that you only go to Disney World after you win a competition. Right. So what he's signaling by going to Orlando is like. I'm the victor here, so you do what you will. I think it is. I think he's he's um he's being disingenuous. Absolutely right. He's he he's walking around. They're like, yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly right. That's the kind of like victors go to Mar-a-Lago. Only winners. Mm -hmm. That's what it says at the entrance of Mar-a-Lago. Only winners. And he has been in Mar-a-Lago. He's been walking around in Orlando, as Josh said. He's been eating KFC which might be the reason why apparently he is now back in the hospital for some stomach issues, um, which is like, yeah, dude, lay off the fast food It is when you're trying to avoid extradition. Look, he's he's going to end up returning to Brazil once he gets the American health care bills. <laughs> he is not going to want to stick around for it. There's no way he, he acquired coverage in those few days. 
No, he's like, I literally can't stay here. Um, he's become gonna going to become an ally in that. So Biden is, you know, also put out a statement that said, you know, we support Lula da Silva and the rightful winner of the election, which is good and a step in the right direction for a country that, you know, 50-50 lately on which coups in Latin America it's into and which coups is not into. Uh, if you're in Venezuela, neighboring Venezuela, they would be on the side of, you know, Guaido, although less so now that they need a bunch of oil from Maduro. But um, this is, it's, to me, it's really chilling. It's funny, again, like January 6th was a little bit funny, but it's also really chilling because you see how deluded these folks are. Like, the, you know, we imagine the delusion of MAGA and yeah, there's stupidity, but there's mostly delusion. There's mostly misinformation. And then you have Bolsonaro and it's the same exact playbook. And in fact, he is meeting right now with Steve Bannon and Stephen Miller. The Steves are on the case <laughs> uh, to try to like advise him on the way forward. Um, and Steve Bannon's tweeting things like, you know, the freedom fighters in Brazil and shit like this. And you're like, there is no way forward, man. You lost, you lost. And now you're in the hospital, get your stomach fixed you know, grab a kombucha and and also you should be extradited back home. And for example, Joaquin Castro and other, I believe Ilhan Omar and other representatives are like, yeah, it's great that we like support Lula da Silva and the rightful winner of this election. But what could we be doing to extradite someone who clearly incited a riot a la Trump here in this country, mm -hmm. extradite him back to his country? Yeah. I mean, I, this is that it's like, really bizarre that he's just hanging out in florida and what gets to me the most is the people that uh like the snobs that will be like oh actually this international coup it's better than the american one it's like the ours is like the steve carell <laughs> version of the office theirs is like the ricky gervais one the original. i just think it's gonna be yeah i just think that's it's gonna be snobbery Oh, yeah. First of all, I am a little bit of an office snob, and I definitely think that ours is, if you're doing comparisons, ours is the British office. Our coup. Um, our coup. <laughs> but, but then again, they, our coup might have been longer than theirs. You know? Oh, sure. So yeah. We just, I mean, might we don't know how many American. seasons this thing is going to go on now that the Republicans are in control of the House. Oh, yeah. It'll, it'll keep going. Um, I mean, that's, <laughs> and this is the thing, you know, like I will be curious to see what, kind of whether or not people in the Brazilian parliament are as supportive of these kinds of coup mongers as people in our current government are. I mean, the reason, you know, we sort of scratch our heads two years on why there hasn't been accountability for January 6th. And it's very obvious. And it's because you saw it this week. There is a faction of the Republican Party that absolutely aided and abetted and they have the power. So you're not going to investigate yourself. This is the grand, you know, yeah. Um, we're all looking for the person who did this, but <laughs> it's us. And, you know, we're proudly in our hot dog suit. Here we are. We're going to be running the government in our hot dog suit and destroying the government from our hot dog suit. Meanwhile, asking, you know, who, who the hell did this? So, yeah, it's just over and over and over again. But I, I do think it is cute that the people who hate globalists, right? Steve Bannon, the globalists are taking over. How dare you? No, they fucking love globalism so long as it's authoritarian, violent, politically violent globalism. They like it in Hungary with Viktor Orban. They like it in Brazil. They like it in the Philippines. Um, they like it anywhere so long as it's not like, 
yeah, some kind of uh, internationalism working together, EU type shit, green energy, right? Anything I mean, like that. Jews, right? Which is so it's I. Such e. a Jews, weird yes. thing. Globalist is such a weird slur for Jews because it's like I know Jews that won't even like go ten miles outside of New York City limits. It's like we're the least global people <laughs> in so many ways. That's very yeah. Funny. I I've I know look. I know some so-called globalists that you couldn't even get to go to Queens on the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> globalists, my allergies. Are you kidding <laughs> yeah, me? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the the humidity in Brazil, really. Absolutely. Um, oh God. Uh well, so there you have it. There is also an image. We don't have it, but y'all need to know that there was an imitation of the QAnon shaman, but the Brazilian version. They had everything. They had everything. They had the cute. My question is, was there a woman with the piano key scarf <laughs> uh, crying? Isn't it an insurrection? <laughs> Wait, I think we have it. There we go. There he wow. is. Ew. Obrigado. Sorry, that's all I speak of Portuguese. I like this. Look, see, this is why our coup has the superior aesthetic value is that this oh, guy yeah? has tattoos. The other guy just painted his chest like he's going to a football game, right? He's not serious about totally. that, about, about uh, the coup or the cue. He, he's not he's not committed at all. Yeah, I, that's what I think. Um, I, you get you get those tattoos or bust. Yeah, exactly. What are you two afraid? God, that is so funny. That is so. Oh, these guys I mean, are going to do like a little meetup. Yeah. Bro, oh, oh what, was there a soccer match that I was unaware of? Okay. I know. Well, what's so funny is that, and what's fucked up is that if you're a fan of the Brazilian soccer team, you can't really wear the colors anymore because uh, they've now been co-opted by the Bolsonaro. Oh, I didn't the know Bolsonaristas that. Or whatever. Yeah, which is weird. I mean, it's a, it makes sense. You know, it's a little bit like um, – when I feel what I feel when I go, I've gone to like a U.S. men's soccer game uh, and worn. I think I wore a red, white, and blue hat. It did say Bernie on mm -hmm. it, so there was a little bit of you know a. Uh, but like it was back when he was. It was 2016. But I was like, I would never wear red, white, and blue generally. Right. You know. Well, it's such a loaded thing, right? To be like, look, this is just a just about the game. This isn't like a greater nationalism. Right. <laughs> These are just right, the right, colors right. of the team. Right. On the field. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No MAGA. Hashtag no MAGA. You know, I'm just, mm -hmm. this is, I support my country. Right. We've got to get, I, anyway. we've got to divorce the, the flag from the team. We've got to get them some just uh, general aesthetics. I Look, I, I'm from Boston. I'd wear, I'd wear Lakers colors. I think that would be a nice, that, that purple and gold. That really pops. But you can't, or you I'm can. I'm saying I would just be because it, it gives a little distance from like, <laughs> from like ultra nationalism through sports. I like that. I like that. We should adopt all Lakers colors, and but you mean like USA, but it's just purple and gold. Yeah, it means USA um, sports, right? I feel like <laughs> yeah. like when you let when like I when you root for a team, you're not like rooting for the municipal government of that where the team is from. Why not? Yeah um all right let's move on to our uh, second story here um jesus christ uh this was the week where uh, matt schlapp uh the uh top republican um who is the head of cpac i believe and head of the well we'll get into what he is the american conservative something 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 I don't actually care, mm -hmm. um, but he's a conservative leader and he's a former ally or current ally of Donald Trump. He's he been is accused an ally. of 
He's an ally. He, he, he was he's really ally. a Mar-a-Lago. He, <laughs> you yeah, really he's have a to fucking specify, ally. like you did, what you're an ally of, because just ally doesn't cut it anymore. <laughs> he is an ally of Donald mm-hmm. Trump. He um, has been accused by a staffer of the Senate campaign of Herschel Walker, right? The failed Georgia Senate campaign um, of groping him and unwantedly in October. Um, and he... The staffer, actually, we have audio of him recording himself right after the incident happened. But here is what he told NBC. He said he reached between my legs and fondled me. The former Walker staffer told NBC News in a telephone interview Thursday night. To my shame, I didn't say anything to stop Schlapp. NBC News is withholding the staffer's name at his request because he fears the allegations against a powerful Republican could harm his own career in GOP politics. In other words, the guy still wants to somehow work in the GOP politics but still um so what it, what happened was he had gone out to have some drinks with Matt Schlapp Schlapp uh basically eventually tries to make a move on him this guy's driving Schlapp around he's effectively his chauffeur and he um while he is driving him this is I believe back from the second bar from Manuel's Tavern to the Hilton Garden Inn there at the Atlanta airport, he literally had his hands on me, he said, in a video recorded early in the morning of October 20th, just a couple of hours after the alleged incident. Matt Schlapp of CPAC grabbed my junk and pummeled it at length. You don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that and CPAC in the same sentence. The staffer did not post the video publicly, but shared it with NBC News. Let's see if we can play a little bit of this. Here is him. He's like, you know, he's shaken. He's upset. You can kind of hear him like maybe crying a little bit or so anyway, just a trigger warning. It's upsetting and it's enraging. And then the next thing I know in the course of that ride, he is reaching over and grabbing my junk in a protracted manner along the entire ride. And to my shame, I did not say no or stop but god knows it was not a wanted advance here is just my account for the nights of october 18th and the 19th to the 20th just happening and here i'm supposed to pick this up in the morning and just sit there and pretend like nothing happened. So he says he's supposed to pick him up in the morning, this motherfucker up in the morning. And and what had actually happened is he called a supervisor um, and he was immediately taken off of that detail and that job. So that's good. There's at least some hope for some people in the campaign. Um, but why does this matter? Who is Schlapp? And what like what actually what power does he wield? And why hasn't he stepped down? So he's the chairman of the American Conservative Union, that's it, and is married to former Trump White House aide Mercedes Schlapp. His organization hosts the Conservative Political Action Conference, a crucial um, proving ground for Republican presidential hopefuls. Now, the American Conservative Union did respond to these allegations. Uh, you can imagine what they said. They said, we stand squarely behind a match lap. The ACU board of directors has full confidence in his leadership of the organization. We both have known Matt and his wife Mercedes for decades. We know Matt Schlapp's heart 
and his character. And we believe his this latest attempt at character assassination is false. Unfortunately, the left, capital L, and its note takers in the media routinely choose to scorch the earth in their quest to cancel those with whom they disagree, whether it involves conservative judicial nominees or good people like Matt Schlapp. They will sink to any depth to destroy them and their families. Except it wasn't anyone from the left. It was someone on your fucking campaign who wanted to be there. Imagine Josh wanting to work on the Herschel Walker campaign. Imagine how hard that is anyway. And then you got creepo Matt Schlapp after you. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really gross. I don't have much to say about it. You know, I don't, I, it's, Obviously, Matt Schlapp, is, there's just this additional dimension to what a creep we already knew he was. And it's unfortunate that people were hurt, you know, and that's what uncovered it. It's like a real, it just because someone else is working on the abhorrent Herschel Walker campaign, I'm not rooting for them to be sexually assaulted. But it's, it, it is like, not. man, it's just so gross. It, it's like, I don't know. It, it's like Matchlab's job is already to like piss all over everything. And now you're like, oh, <laughs> and he shits. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. he's just, it's just like another way that he's uh, uh, loathsome and reprehensible. Absolutely. And I just like, at least, at least someone on the staff and Max Berger, our guest is in the, is in the waiting room saying, you know, shit is fucked up when the Walker campaign are the good guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good point. Stay, stay backstage, Max. All right. You just, you just stay there. No, but it, it's true. It is like at least he was listened to this, this one staffer. It's sad he feels like he has to conceal his name, obviously, um, because he wants to still work in, in politics. I just want to remind everyone that this is the party that continually talks about family values. I mean, they really have dropped that, but now they're talking about groomers. They're going after the LGBTQ plus community time and again. They're ma- they're allowing people to target drag shows. They're talking about, you know, they're banning books for having any kind of reference or being written by gay people. Um, it is so insane. And yet it is the biggest look in the mirror projection because it's this kind of shit with match lap. Um, you know, and and like, look, I don't care that it was a male staffer, but for a homophobic ass party, let's be real. This is not just sexual assault. It is also a sexual, a same, same sex sexual assault, right? Doesn't matter to me because I don't give a shit, but it should like you guys are the ones who are super homophobic. Does that matter at all? Right. The other thing I just want to point out, this is not the first time late last year in April. And this is a story that flew under the radar. But a 29-year-old who works with the RNC named Ruben Verastegui, he was sentenced to 12 years for child pornography. This guy was working right alongside with Ronna McDaniels and whomever. 12 years for child pornography. And, like, suddenly we're grilling, um, uh, um, why am I blanking on our new justice's name? God damn it. Uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, we're we're grilling uh, Justice Jackson for letting like child pornographers off easy or something, right? Your own goddamn party has been doing this. So anyway, let's leave it at that. Any final words, Josh? Um, it seems bad. I I think this person should get out of. 
politics, both because yeah. it seems safer to not associate with the people in the Republican Party. And I think we'd, we'd all be better off with fewer people working for Herschel Walker. Indeed, indeed. I mean, sometimes you'd think you need more support, but probably maybe just let the man retire. Just let him retire. No more politics for you, Hershey. Mm -hmm. No more. Um, all right. You guys, we got to jump into the sitch. What you know about Sam Bankman-Fried? What you know about crypto packs? The two worst words combined <laughs> together. This is the sitch. And joining me for the sitch, longtime progressive organizer and co-founder of If Not Now and Momentum. He's worked for Cori Bush, Elizabeth Warren, and Justice Democrats. Please welcome Max Berger. Hi, everyone. How's it going? So good to have you here, Max. It's um, truly a pleasure. You've worked on the other side of the aisle, I guess, on campaigns. Why that you've have you met someone like this staffer? I mean, this poor staffer. I just want to get your thoughts. Oh, yeah. Why the hell would you still want to work in conservative politics? Well, you know, <clears throat> people get into politics for a lot of different reasons. But most of the people that I've met, um, even whom I disagree with on, you know, the kind of what we're trying to accomplish in politics, do genuinely really believe in their bullshit, you know? Um, and so people, um, <clears throat> you know, feel dedicated to what motivated them to, to get into it. And I know folks on our side who have had terrible experiences, mm -hmm. you know, not, not quite to this extent, but, you know, really difficult situations that people have had to live through um, and they persevere. And, you know, you do that for the things that you care most about and that you believe in. Um, yes. You know, I think it's hard when you, when you learn that the people that, um, you thought we're supposed to um, believe in the same things don't actually. Um, so I have to imagine that that's one of the hardest things to, you know, for the staffer to experience is to, to see that this guy who, as you say, like claims to represent family values and, um, you know, is, is misrepresenting who he is in a really big way. And I think, <clears throat> you know, when people are famous, that that can be much more painful because you see them all over the place portraying right. themselves one way and then you know, um, that they're not that what way. So, yeah. So I think it takes a lot no, and, of courage. And it's absolutely. And I, I don't mean to downplay that courage. I think that, you know, we have to defend. It's the same way that, you know, like we should defend representation in the U.S. military, even though I disagree largely with a lot of what the U.S. military does. You know, um, I don't believe in repealing the don't ask, don't tell uh, or like having, you know, reinstating Donasco Tell and all that shit. But, you know, it's the same thing. It's like if the industry of conservative politics should still be a safe place, even though I disagree largely with the goals of what you're trying to you do. You should be able to call other people a groomer without being sexually assaulted. Absolutely. I think we can all agree. There um, you go. There you yeah. go. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. Yeah. Um, but Max, you've been doing some incredible writing and work around this Sam Bankman Freed uh like bust, right? This his F FTX cryptocurrency, which crashed in November twenty uh November of last year. I'm gonna go over a little bit of it. Um sure. he lost fourteen billion dollars. He's been indicted on two counts of wire fraud and six conspiracy counts, money laundering, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, and securities fraud. And he was released on $250 million bail uh, at Christmas. And the reason it's interesting and sort of matters is not just another crypto bro, a thing that went under. I mean, it was a huge loss of money, but his political contributions and mm -hmm. the fact that so many both um, Republicans and, and specifically Democrats 
Mm-hmm. We're recipients of this money is why I think it's it's of particular interest to us. When I heard the phrase crypto super PAC, I wanted to tear my hair out and gouge my eyes out at the same time. Um, why did he even donate to political campaigns? Who accepted that money? And like, mm-hmm. why does this matter to us? Yeah. <clears throat> so I think that's that's really helpful, I think, to step back a little bit because that hasn't so much made it into the coverage. Like, why is this guy giving so much money? Um, <clears throat> and I think that the thing that's interesting about Bankman Freed, unlike a lot of the other crypto bros who really do believe in a lot of this rhetoric around not like, uh, you know, creating a new financial system outside of government control. And so not wanting regulations, even ones that potentially would be beneficial to crypto. Mm-hmm. Bankman mm-hmm. Freed is like, we need to go legit, right? He's almost like, you know, think about a mafia boss who's like, look, I get that this money that I'm making is through essentially crime, but I'm going to figure out how to take that money and get it to be a legitimate business one day. So he that's how I understand the Bankman Freed scheme. And part of what that means is if you really trace out the logic of what he was trying to accomplish was to eventually make crypto too big to fail, right? Like mm-hmm. he wanted he wanted to pass regulations that would have eventually given them access to the Fed master account uh, window. So essentially giving them the same access to being guaranteed by the Federal Reserve that if they suffer huge losses that they could essentially borrow as much money as they want limitlessly that was one so of his he, goals so he wanted because you you imagine crypto and you think about crypto lobbying and you imagine they're all lobbying to uh avoid regulation you're saying he didn't he wanted to go sort of like go legit with yes. this yes and he was kind of unusual oh go ahead i was gonna say so if he wanted to be able to have unlimited loans essentially for crypto right to be kind of kept afloat the way banks are in times of crisis and then allegedly he was uh just kind of taking money from his own investors and pumping it into crypto so you could say he was simply being the change he wanted to see in the world exactly okay. yeah it's really okay. beautiful okay. actually his, his only crime living, living his okay, own values yeah exactly yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he was pretty open about this stuff. Like there's a clip of him going on, uh, what's it called? Mad money and saying essentially what I said. And yeah, so they were trying to get big investors on board and kind of take crypto mainstream, even, you know, even more mainstream to the point where Mm -hmm. banks and stuff could get involved. And then he would be the real beneficiary of that as the, you know, kind of centerpiece of the market in, uh, holding one of the exchanges. So that was sort of his long-term play. And it's a very traditional donor strategy in a certain way where he's like giving to Republicans and Democrats in the same way like the big banks do to make sure that they're kind of all backing him up. And he he got a lot farther on this. I mean, this stuff starts to get pretty wonky, so I won't bore listeners with the details, but like they got a lot farther on this stuff than you might think. Like you might think that the crypto stuff is still just a bunch of cranks or whatever, but a lot of legislators took it very seriously. And you know, the story that we heard was he was this big donor to Democrats. Uh, what came out, you know, as he was getting in more and more legal trouble was that he and he said this <laughs> was that he actually gave as much money to Republicans as he did to Democrats. But it was just uh, so dark as the, some of it was like the illegal. So it, it hasn't shown up on kind of FEC reports and stuff. So turns out he was giving equally to both parties. Mm-hmm. But what what I found in doing this investigation and part of why I wanted to do it was because so much of the coverage was like, oh, look at this Democratic donor who's like actually on the take. And you see like Elon Musk like shit posting about how he's not going to get held accountable because he's given all this money to Democrats. So I went in and I looked and I was like, well, who is he really giving to in the Democratic Party? Mm-hmm. Like, what's he actually doing with that money? And 
you know, as somebody who has previously worked for Justice Democrats and is friends with a lot of these progressive groups that are running these kind of more insurgent campaigns against the establishment, we were hearing anecdotally that they were involved in a lot of these races, that the Bankman Freed PAC was involved in a lot of these um, races that pitted an establishment Democrat against the progressive. Um, right. And the on major, the side of the establishment. On the side of the establishment. Yeah. And so the major interest there, and I'm, I'm so grateful that it's majority Jewish. Uh, representation to talk about this issue because it <laughs> starts to get a little dicey, honestly. But the, the the main interest that is funding the establishment side of those primaries in the Democratic Party at this point are APAC and APAC affiliated donors. So, and that's a story that I've tracked closely because I, you know, that's one of the issues that I've worked on in the past. So I just went and I looked at, I just compared, I just did a spreadsheet of, okay, here's all the races that the pro-Israel groups have given to. We know they're trying to crush the left. Now, I'm just going to take a, a list of all the races that the crypto people have contributed to and compare it side by side. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it's same. the same, you know, like it's, yeah. it's, it's really incredible. And if you look at the groups that Bankman Fried was giving to that spent on those races, that's 75% of the money that he's giving to Democrats. So when we hear he's giving money to Democrats, it's not he's helping them defeat Republicans. He's giving money to centrist Democrats to help them defeat progressives. progressives so that was the, that was the thing that I found. And not on an ideological basis, right? Not not even really for the reasons that APAC and other affiliated PACs are doing it, which is, you know, you can't say anything or criticize Israel in any way or vote present on any vote for more funding for their military. Um, but was it more of a play for I'm going to bet that the centrist in this race will be more amenable to what I want to do with crypto? I think so. I, I think that I think that they were afraid, not wrongly, that, you know, the AOCs of the world, if they were to become strongly anti-crypto, that that would undermine their ability to um, make this just a really bipartisan issue that there wasn't significant opposition mm. on. And I, I do, the part that I hope will be reported more because I am not a reporter. I'm just, you know, I'm a, <laughs> I, I'm an organizer, op, uh, uh, activist type. So, I, you know, yeah. this was all kind of new to me. Um, and I, I put it together so that more journalists would dig into it more. And I think one of the things that bears the most um, that, that, that really should, you know, be looked into more is the role that Mark Melman, who is sort of the, the leading operative of the... Um, DMFI, which is Democratic Majority for Israel, which is the main sort of anti-progressive group now right. um, that the pro-Israel lobby is using to, to you know, defeat justice stems, the role that he played in convincing SBF to, um, to, to contribute in this way. Because if you actually go and look at the five groups that are at the center of this effort, what I call the injustice Democrats, you know, because they're mm -hmm. countering the justice Democrats, that Mark Melman if you go into the FEC, you can see he gets money from each of those groups, right? And those groups are donating money to each other. So it really starts to look not just like, oh, these guys just happen to end up on the same races, like, because they right. sort of have same similar ideological interests. It starts to look like, holy shit, this was a play. Like, this was a $70 million operation that this one guy was running that was about convincing rich people that we can crush you know, we can keep bartenders and principals and, you know, activists from getting to Congress. Um, and you should give me the money to do that. Right.
And is there, so there's kind of, there is an ideological strain in this. And I know that like there were even some progressives or even self-identified socialists that got tied up in the SBF stuff. Um, yeah. People who I didn't really know, but who are like very well known in the Beltway um, and the dem sort of the Democrat internal well, discussions. Yeah, yeah. Sean, Sean McElwee is the guy sort of at the yeah. top of the list here. I, I think Sean really fucked up. I mean, again, this is another place where I think there needs to be a lot more reporting because some of what I'm about to say is speculation. Some of it I've learned more since I published it disappointed in people but you know i think essentially that was some of that stuff is extortion or, or, or uh, that's a legal term i don't know if there were any crimes that were committed <laughs> a level of of you know progressives being told that if um they didn't change their position on crypto in israel that there would be significant amounts of money spent against them and if mm. they were willing to toe the line that that money wouldn't be spent I'm quite sure that that happened in certain races. I don't right. want to talk more about this, I'll be honest. But, the, you know, the, 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 that to the they, they tried to muddy the waters. And again, I think that was part of their strategy was like, let's make this not something that progressives are like up in arms about and screaming about. And the way that they did that was going to folks and saying, look, we're going to make you an offer that you, you probably don't want to refuse. And that's why they sort of like worked with Sean McElwee, you're saying, and like got. I think there was some report. What, I don't. Was this your report? I think it was someone else, maybe in New York Magazine about this this facet of it specifically recently. If people want to, yeah, check that yeah, out. yeah. I talked to David. I, D Dave Freelander wrote a really great piece that was looking into. This is part of what, how I got into it too. Mm. Was because I was talking to Dave for his piece, and I was like, "There's a whole other story here that if you want to try to understand why Sean was doing this, basically, mm -hmm. it was like the pro-Israel people had been doing this for." two or three years now they started it last cycle and then they super ramped up the amount of giving they were doing this cycle and i think there were some people on the progressive side who were like look we can't defeat if the crypto folks and the israel folks get together and just yeah we're screwed we're screwed so what we need to do is figure out how to cut a deal with the crypto people and so they thought they were being you could question whether that was a good idea or not like some of them i think are not like bad corrupt people they thought they were doing a good thing i Think they went too far and they fucked up in some cases but i don't think that's like a totally deranged viewpoint you know but if, yeah it, a wall of money is coming at you it, meanwhile republicans have no qualms accepting both of those and, buckets of money oh, it's a little yeah. it's a little ironic to me that crypto donors could ironically be called the isn't real lobby Right. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to find a way to be like, just because, like, the st anyway. But you Truly, it's it. all the my brain does it, all day. Isn't real is and the Israel lobby. <laughs> exactly. If you're trying to legitimize your state, don't partner with the Israel with the isn't lobby. Real lobby. Israel. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, can I ask you, Max, what you like? I've heard this term, and this is our producer Paige brought it to my attention this idea of effective altruism and what mm -hmm. these dudes like believe like what the hell that is how is it different than philanthropy it's like they're i guess their guiding principle for why they are donating all this money yeah it's interesting because it's one of these things that reporters love talking about and it is a really interesting subject like on its own like as a former you know dabbler in philosophy like it's like a fun thing to talk about it's like utilitarianism mm -hmm. and blah 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 so it's like mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. it's, it's 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 a form of long-termism where they're trying to uh make sure that the money that they're 
donating is actually maximally effective at minimizing suffering for the greatest number of people and being much more rigorous than most philanthropists are in that pursuit. Which like on some level you're like, yeah, I mean, who's against that, right? Um, Benjamin Freed ends up with this really weird version of it where he's essentially saying like, eh, even if I'm money laundering, if I spend my money on things like vaccine, you know, helping spread Research. vaccines, right. yeah. And, and like ending suffering amongst animals that like actually I'm totally justified in that calculus. And there are moral philosophers of which his parents are of the tradition that would agree with him, you know? I don't think th this, the conversation has sort of been like, does that, is that why he did this then? And it's mm. like, no, <laughs> like, like that's a fun conversation. You know what I mean? Like that's right. a, like by all means. Right. Like if he's, that, but like, like it's the same as him being like, I was just money laundering so I could, uh, you know, investigate if God could make a rock so big that even God couldn't lift it. Like it's just a thought experiment yeah. that was happening parallel. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. And I think, and it's, it, it is sad. Some of the people in that community are really hurt right now because they, you know, Begging Freed was the most famous person. And so now they all look like assholes because his ideas are, you know, they're their ideas are associated with him. Um, so I can't really also if you were in the Bahamas, like, you know, and you were in a weird polycule, like sort of orgy with him, which was going on. That is extra embarrassing. Yeah, your orgies. I don't know how many your times orgies. I have to say it. Are you a money launderer? Ooh. Yes or no? OK, we can sleep together. God. Yeah. Rough times for the polycule. Definitely. Yeah, real rough times and just the Bahamas generally. Um, but uh, so what the hell now? Like what happens? Do we learn anything from this and the future of crypto? Or does it just sort of all get like, oh, don't be an SBF and uh, boop-a-doo, we're going to keep talking, keep accepting crypto money, keep, you know, either not regulating or regulating money. it? A lot of people. I mean, that's a, so that's part of what, you know, I think it's part of this for me is also like kind of shining a light on the progressives mm -hmm. who I think like mistakenly or stupidly went along with sure. some of this stuff. But if we're, if we're really looking at who is doing this stuff, it is the establishment of the democratic party yes. and the, and the Republicans. And they have accepted the amount of money that crypto spent on lobbying last year was more than the defense industry. Jesus okay. The, yes. Like, I'm sorry. Um, what I mean is like, stores don't accept crypto you know what oh, i mean yeah, like it's yeah. only right. used right. as like a speculative right. investment and like greasing wheels politically and then uh, like buying uh illicit substances right like yeah. it's, including politicians yes it's like all you the can't take it to 7-eleven but you can't right it to, which is like know, kirsten Gillibrand. that's such a weird all the pelosi of, nfts that's such a weird currency <laughs> right where you're like oh no this is only for graft <laughs> like you're like oh okay yeah. sorry Right, right. It, it's actually just it's monopoly like if, money. Right. If there could be a thousand dollar bill with Bernie Madoff's face on it that you could only right, spend right, right. for bribes. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you can't buy a coat yeah. with that. This is for, you know. This, yeah, this is for this buying is politicians. For, yeah, exactly. I just like, again, I'm going to get this in there, but an NFT of Nancy Pelosi's fridge of ice cream mm -hmm. or like of Mitch McConnell's gullet, like all of these things would be great. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, but so what happens now then? You were making I mean, a point, Matt. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, no, no, it's good. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the, I, I, I don't know, you know, I've spoken with some journalists on this beat and, and tried to get people to cover the kind of corruption going on here a little bit more with the expectation that we really do need to like drive a stake through the heart of this thing. Um, and I've heard a lot of people um, kind of demure because they think that it's just dead. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't, I, I 
am too pessimistic, I think, on that front. I mean, pr previous to the SBF collapse, when I spoke to kind of the journalists who cover the crypto beat, um, they felt very convinced that we were just totally fucked. Like that it there was no stopping it. It was relentless. Right. Like it was going to go mainstream. It had too much political support and it had too much velocity in the public. I think we're at this kind of precarious, but in a way hopeful moment in which it could just, you know, disappear from the face of the earth. And we should be so lucky because I think if it succeeds on its own terms, it will eventually become like subprime finance, which is basically what it is, you know? Um, yeah. And so the more that it becomes accepted, the more it becomes enmeshed in law, the more it gets government support, the more of a threat it is long-term. So let's hope that it dies. Especially at a time when it like, you know, Bitcoin and other currencies are like, their value is so fucked right now. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. It's really low. Um, and in May, I remember last May, we had Molly White, who also covers cryptocurrency. She's yeah, great. She's great. Yeah. Um, we had her on the show. Everyone should go back and listen to that episode. And she essentially called this. It was like, this is only, you know, this is before the election. Of course, we didn't talk about the political angle of it. But yeah, it would be something if in just every day, like the cryptocurrency, the value is completely down. And yet only in DC, as Josh is mentioning, is where it's like, this is magic money now. And you're like, no, 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 wait, no, it's not real. Um, right. And it's, I, I always feel like when I'm talking, cause I, this is where I've been reading, I read um, Ed Zitron's newsletter, Where's Your Ed at? Mm -hmm. He writes a lot of great stuff about this, this sector. And I'm always, I'm so skeptical of crypto. And when I say that, I'm not, I don't mean that to like bolster the financial system we have. That's what it is, right? right. It's like, because people go, oh, well, do you love, you love the stock market? You want to kiss it on the mouth and marry it? And it's like, <laughs> no, that's not what I want. It's just like one thing at a time. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Exactly. I mean, I was a, I was a, occupied person yeah. that was like a lot of how i got my start in politics and you know crypto was really the the right-wing response to the financial crisis like mm. there were two there was the left-wing response which was like occupy bernie mm -hmm. etc and then there was the right-wing response which was like the problem with the level of corruption between the government and finance is to get government out <laughs> and just let finance do right. like fi total control finance that's where people are making the ethical decisions <laughs> Yeah, yes. exactly. And the guys, we, we, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to, I was going to ask you something completely unrelated, but about Occupy. What were you going to say, Max? Well, we did, you know, I, my most recent gig uh, was, I was at um, Mark Perfect Union, which I helped start with Fashion Here, which is a, a media organization. We made a video about this. And, um, uh, you know, the, the people who started Bitcoin, I mean, we don't know exactly who, but the community that it came out of had some absolutely batshit crazy anarchist right-wing ideas that they were super into that like went along with the private money stuff like assassination markets so that they could murder politicians who love it corrupt. oh yeah. that's like, bad i'm just kidding yeah, yeah, yeah no no look we've all seen you know i mean i i watched uh the the anarchist oh or the anarchapulco documentary on hbo that, that was great and insane and also like bolstered by crypto and just a perfect encapsulation of who gets seduced again it's like ah, oh, your libertarianism is yeah, the rubber's hitting the road on your libertarianism right. and oh it doesn't work who thought right it feels like the like a a, like a financial system where wherever you look like the any person you talk to also has really strong age of consent ideas does that make yeah, yeah. right yeah. 
everyone is running from a charge. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just be real. Like, that's what they're doing, you know, and they're all white. So they're like, uh, in that documentary, there's like one woman who makes sense and she happens to be black. And it's like, yeah, she was in it for the right reasons. It also happens to be the one black woman you have. Um, anyway, random. But OK, so you're saying this doesn't mean we're going to rein crypto packs in or it should, but it might not. I think it really depends on how this gets covered and how it gets processed, because yeah. I, I, I don't think that the kind of establishment level of support for crypto has totally made news, you know? Right. And so I think the like level of like naming and shaming that needs to happen around, you know, the, the members of the Democratic Party who accepted this level of support and who helped co-author or co-sponsor bills. There were three major bills in the last session of Congress that were um, that were essentially written by crypto lobbyists. Uh, you know, that had Democratic support uh, from some powerful Democrats like Kirsten Gillibrand, Maxine Waters, you know, for actually some of the same reasons that you named, um, Cory Booker, a uh, big booster of, of cryptocurrency, uh, Richie Torres from New York. So, you know, th the fact that you two who follow this stuff really closely are like, oh, like that, that, that has not quite totally rippled through the system that like those folks are you know, the, the Democrats have really, some Democrats have gotten behind this. I think it's. But it's a, per, it makes perfect sense that it would fly under the radar. Why? Because mainstream news outlets, and I'm talking about CNN and MSNBC, they, what do they not want to cover? They don't want to talk about APAC at all. They don't want to talk mm -hmm. about APAC money. They don't want to talk about progressives being tanked by that kind of money. And they don't want to at all if a democrat received a bunch of money from a random lobby they won't talk about that either and so they won't even as you've done do a little bit of extra digging and see oh a ton of republicans have also accepted this money so if you cover the story and stop looking at it just through a partisan lens it right. is in fact a far bigger story than you know left or right or democrat or republican it is a much more pertinent and scary story and we should be covering it. But no, no, no. It's sort of like, again, tinged and we follow the right's narrative about it. And the right is not assuming responsibility for the fact that their own politicians also accepted these contributions. So it just and then it spirals out and it's like, all right, well, no one's covering it now. Right. And, and I think it also to kind of pull at this thread, not to sound super conspiratorial, but to pull at the thread of like who's allowed to give money to what and, and who does. Uh, if you pull at that, you kind of get to the point of like, oh, this money is a, a, a pernicious influence in politics, right? And so I think it, it it is a it's a tough thread to pull at because then then you have to start assigning value to like, okay, these people should be allowed to donate and these people shouldn't, um, <laughs> or be and you'll or get to the point of like, oh, this is all this is all worse than we're admitting right now. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a super, both of those are great. Like the part that I've been able to generate the most interest amongst journalists around is the kind of progressive hypocrisy piece, mm -hmm. right? The like, there's a massive corruption scandal going on in which the Republican Party and the establishment is implicated in just taking money from the worst people and doing the worst shit. They're like, yeah, man, that's called politics. Yeah. Like, they're like, that's just right. Washington. Tell me about the like, progressives. What? That's not yeah. news, bro. That's just life, you know? And you're like, ah, oh, I. That's but not tell new. me more about the progressives and how they threw down with them. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. yeah. Right. That's like, a oh, that's really great. Right. Well, I mean, that that's sometimes why, like, pre it, to 
to flip it again, it's kind of why, like, when people talk about Republican hypocrisy, right? You're like, well, it's not hypocrisy. Their belief is what we do is our right to maintain power. And so, and I think that yeah. is kind of true of like the idea of like, well, what we do is we solicit donations and then we have the money, not them. And that's fine. And so I, yeah. so I think that that is not, it doesn't seem hypocritical when the system is like, yeah, of course you just, you need the money to, to thrive. The Republican right. party is a party of it's okay. When I do it, I did an entire news broke episode. I remember just, it's okay. When I do it, that's their philosophy. It's okay. When I do it. And you're like, all right, well, when, then shit, man, if you don't even believe in hypocrisy, what are we talking right. about? There's anymore? no, it's, yeah. it's unshameable. And I think that is, yeah. I, and, and Max, I think you're saying like progressives are more shameable because I think they have value. Because we feel shame. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. That kind of human capacity to understand wrongdoing rather than yeah. just well, kind of a Nietzschean uh, will to power. Yeah. Right. Totally. And, and actually, you know, I didn't want to talk about this, but I just want to briefly mention it's a perfect way to understand um, how the House Speaker vote went down and why um, when people say, oh, you know, Justice Dems and the left should do the exact same thing that the GOP did in, in holding out and withholding their votes from speaker, that the answer is no, we should not. And that is not a winning strategy. It's because um, there is an amount of shame. There is an amount of understanding that you're holding up the function of government and holding up the ability to actually get anything done, whereas Republicans don't care Which is, about getting anything done. Right. They want to tear it all down. Kevin, Right. For Kevin McCarthy, his best case scenario is that he's in charge and the government is kneecapped and inefficient and doesn't serve the people. The second best case scenario is he's not in charge and all of those things happen. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just, yeah, who is going to reign over the ineptitude? Um, and we forget about that, you know, uh, that like, oh yeah, we have a little bit more principles and morals and like we do want to do something right well it's um not absolutely. just hold out for our own ideology like i'm gonna hold out everything until everything is perfect it's no you actually have to make that shit happen right. it's a lot easier like truly easier to burn something down when you don't care who builds the next thing or what that is right when oh, like the arson is when 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 the arson is what you're there for you're like yeah right. burn it down and it's much harder to to do it when you're like oh then we have to do the work of making it making what's next better than what came before yeah if, one last thing on this so as the jewish caucus here could talk about like the, <laughs> you know the, it's it, it can be difficult sometimes to talk about this stuff without it becoming you know tied up with anti-semitic tropes and when I've written about this stuff, people are like, yeah, of course they all work together because they're Jews and they're lizard people. Even the like, imaginary no, banks oh, are in oh, league with the Jews. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. And you're like, you're like, oh God, I got to do this for my subject. Um, and they, the the Republicans really preyed on this, like, or of not the they do. Sorry, the, the um, everyone, the, all everyone, the, the central, about, the Republicans and yeah, the centrist Democrats centrist, prey on that shit. Yeah. So the 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 money that APAC is spending on these races, a huge percentage of it comes from pro-Trump billionaires. Okay. Yeah. And so I was talking to David Friedlander from this, this New York mag piece and we were trying to figure out why do, why did they do that? And the answer is, well, you know, then you could be accused of being anti-Semitic if you criticize APAC. So why don't they, you know, give it, get, why don't the pro-Trump billionaires give money through some other channel? It's like, mm -hmm. well, they don't have that cover, right? 
So they know that if they do it through APAC, that they have that accusation, that they can say that if you're criticizing them, then you're being anti-Semitic. Right, and they, in fact, right, right, did right. this. So Pramila Jayapal, sorry, this is a little bit of a, but the, Pramila Jayapal was like, please, we need an agreement that there's no more super PAC money going into these primaries. And the head of the Anti-Defamation League, which is supposed to be like the Jewish NAACP, right? Like, it's a time of anti-Semitism. This shit is not a fucking joke, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I got family yeah. in Pittsburgh. Like, yeah, th- there's not a joke. The head of the ADL accuses Pramila of being anti-Semitic for criticizing APAC for spending money in a Democratic primary. And I'm like... No. But APAC has jumped the shark. They're, by the way, they're having their annual meeting right now. Um, and love it. Uh, no, it's jumped the shark. Everyone knows who they actually stand for. Everyone's seen them support the insurrectionist Freedom Caucus. Um, we know it's, it's, and especially on this show, like there's, there is not get, like, no one gets it twisted. There, no one conflates anti Semitism with um, the Israeli yeah. lobby. It's just, with criticizing the Israeli lobby, it, it, there is a wide gulf there, and it's very, very clear. Um, I there's a settlement named after Trump. Netanyahu was the very first person to call Donald Trump and congratulate him. Stop. He is a fucking fascist. They love each other. Globalism is mm-hmm. the fascism. That's what it really is. Anyway, Max Berger, can you stay on for one final segment? Because it's fun, and I feel like you will crush it. Um, and now you can't say no, because I want to know. We have one final segment, and this one I'm calling the Santos Syndrome. You guys have heard of imposter syndrome. It's when you don't feel like you're good enough, uh, and uh, so you sort of, like, undersell yourself and whatnot. Um, you don't ask for that raise. But what if you did the opposite? What if you had the Santos Syndrome? The George Santos syndrome, that's right, congressman-elect, or no, congressman of New York, got sworn in, lied about everything. Um, his mom dying on 9-11 was the one that I somehow missed, but I love that. And he was like, well, yeah, but in 2016, but still on 9-11. But I don't know what his excuse was. 9-11-2016, the day that will live in infamy. It was um, like two months before the election. People were very stressed out. Honestly. And that he was a property owner, um, that he like was a, in finance. Um, but he was Jew-ish. The Jew That was one of my favorite. That was, that was yeah, yeah, classic. But his, but he was raised, guys, now you guys just tell me like, but he was raised Catholic, but his grandma told him stories about being Jewish. Oh, Is oh, that no, a no. thing? <laughs> Is that a thing ever? Have you ever heard a Jew say that? Well, I was raised Catholic, but actually, like what? I mean, actually, when, when you ask it that way, the answer is like kind of. Yeah. But the way that of? he said it, the, the way that he said the, what came out eventually was that even that was it was all made up. And he was like, I never said I was Jewish. I said I was Jewish. And I'm like, that is. You gotta appreciate the hood. You've got to throw a second ish on there. You've got to say Jewish ish. (laughs) Jew ish. That's the same. Mm -hmm. You've got to say Jewish. You're just saying Jewish doesn't. You can don't don't play punctuation games with me, Santos. But anyway, so, you know, you got to hand it to him. He sat there. He was through. He was there during the vote. He was next to Bobert and Matt Gates, And he was getting sworn in with a little sweater vest on or whatever he had, a little tie. Um, and so I want to know, guys, have you ever lied 
to get a job. This is Santos syndrome. Guy, I okay. First of all, I I always lie and say I'm very proficient in Microsoft Excel, but that is such a cliche at this point, and yet I have done that. I, when I'm saying times. when I say that. I mean, Microsoft Excel, Microsoft extra large, like big and tall Microsoft. So yeah, that is not a totally. lie when I say that. Yeah. I yeah, put my fonts big, huge. Big... I get huge fonts. Mike, I, I wouldn't know my way around a PC in this day and age. Like I've been thinking about maybe I should get a PC. No idea. No, probably have no idea how to operate a PC. Um, not a gamer. I wish I under remembered. Let's see. What else have I... Um, I've definitely said before I was fluent in Spanish. I think I lied about being fluent in Spanish, but I was like, you know, fluent-ish, Spanish-ish-ish-ish. Mm -hmm. um, and what else have I, I oh, completely ripped my resume for us being a server off of my friend who was a server because yeah. being a server, it's you're in a catch-22 nightmare. You can't get any experience as a server without having, it's, you just, you, you know, you can't get a job at a restaurant without having worked at a restaurant. You can't work at a restaurant without having, get, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yes. Absolutely. Whatever, however it makes sense. I, made sense. Anyway, I was a terrible waitress. <laughs> Hard to believe. Hard every to believe. time. Well, every time I've lied, it's, I think it's always been in comedy context. So it would, this would be mm. years ago and they would go, can you do the, an hour? Like, can you come to the show and do uh -huh. an hour of standup? And I would go, totally. I have that many jokes. And then like you were saying, busted immediately because it's not like mm. an office job where you can like Google it and kind of like ask this like how stuff works Start reading from a joke book yes right exactly right 40 minutes in i'm just like oh what else why'd that chicken cross the road folks and so that was truly just like get you and it's like you said when you don't have the experience right and you like kind of get your way in where a job that you're like immediately facing the public you like really get your ass handed to you quickly but josh you just first of all we know what headliners do they do 40 minutes of crowd work <laughs> bad crowd work oh, yeah. 20 minutes of material mm -hmm. yes so you just you know that's the fluff yes that's what i mean that for sure um that's and I, the padding. I, you Let's know i skated by i'm doing okay now but those were <laughs> those, i mean it is like one of those things where like the person i was really hurting was myself because i had to be the one standing Ooh. up there just like eating shit <laughs> and the audience and the audience maybe and the audience. and the audience yeah and the audience. like yeah. plenty of people who have the hour are still not good at it. They survive. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I bet it wasn't bad. I bet it was great. I would have loved to watch Josh Gondelman try to fill an hour. And obviously, everyone needs to go check out the actual hour, the special oh, that he has. You. But I feel like you would just be very sweet. Yeah, I tried. You would. Just, I'd be like, oh, this is this is great. He's trying I love there. this guy. It's a lot it's of just the opposite like, of a lot of people being like, I'm glad this isn't my son when I started. <laughs> <laughs> That's so specific. Yeah, very specific. Well, I had I was really young, and and you know, do sometimes Jewish gigs where people would look at you like, "Ooh, this this is why I told my kids to go into law and medicine because of this this specific person is the cautionary tale." Mm -hmm. Um, Max, what have you said? What what's your Santos syndrome? What have my, you done? My first like job in politics, I was. 18 years old and it was like a regional field manager which basically you just like help other canvassers mm -hmm. canvas and i had mm -hmm. done some canvassing and i listed the year this was 
it's a lie but i like I, it said like the college i went to and like a year it didn't mm -hmm. say like graduated Ooh. because i hadn't because i was 18 years old and a freshman ah. in college and i got hired and then i had to manage these canvassers and they were like please lie about your age. Like, do not tell these people that you are managing, <laughs> that you are 18 years old because they will not listen to you. And I was like, noted, that's fine. Wow. I will continue. So lying. eventually, so you got to the job and, and you're like still in school and they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, they're like, we hired this child. You're no, still I, hired. I dropped, I dropped out of school, but yeah. And the guy who hired me actually was Jeremy Bird, who ended up being later Obama's field person. Wow. Um, I should. I so, wanted to know who yeah. that was, but I don't. That's not. Didn't really do a great job of betting back then. Just putting the year that you were in college. That is the nine eleven, but of what year? Did you die <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of resumes. <laughs> didn't specify. <laughs> didn't specify. So it worked. Mostly for jobs, though, I do the opposite. The George Sand. First of all, I can fuck. I can write a great cover letter. Great cover mm -hmm. letter writer. But I do the opposite. Once in college, my college job. Speaking of your college jobs, a lot less glamorous worked at a gym um at the like store which sells like you're like oh here you forgot your swim cap here you go you know uh, whatever gym shorts i definitely stole some gym shorts um but and the, the I cover the... letter said definitely not gonna steal gym shorts totally won't <laughs> steal uh from your little dinky store mm -hmm. but i i said in the job interview i was like verbatim this is when i was like prime anti-capitalist francesca just got mm, fucking mm, woke mm. as fuck like nine yeah talk about 9 11 it had happened yes i was like you know what did america fucking do mm -hmm. no we should not go to war um and i looked this woman and i was like i just want a job where nobody tells me what to do mm. and she was like mm. she's like oh, the shop that's so funny <laughs> she was like super mad We're like I've got just the position. <laughs> like hell yeah. We, we uh, need anyway, someone guys... who doesn't take need to take direction and who will yell at other people. <laughs> Absolutely. I do not respect authority. Um same as it ever was in my case. Josh Gondelman, Max Berger, so good to have you guys on the show. Max, where can people find you and follow your work? Uh, you can find me uh, at Substack at maxberger.substack.com or uh, on Twitter at, at @maxberger. Hell yeah. Keeping the faith alive over there. Mm -hmm. um, Max, be very well. Please come back. So good to have you on. I can't believe yep. I haven't. This is the first time. Yeah. This is a goddamn shame. You Pleasure. need to come back. Stay for the whole Progressive show next time. All right. Shame. Take That's the moral of the story. There's the go. Yeah, you go. Not beyond shame. Take care. And Josh, where can people find I you? I also have a sub stack. I write humorous pep talks every week josh gondelman.substack.com uh i am a i have a special called people pleaser that is available you can watch it now on i think Tubi for free um my website Ooh. has tour dates josh gondelman.com and i'm at josh gondelman on twitter instagram uh tiktok now yeah. let's say Catch Josh live, everybody, if you Thank can. You. But but in the meantime, watch his special. And hopefully I can see you in the bonus. Ten extra minutes on Afro Man. Um, I'll see you there. Take care. And thank you guys for being here. Thanks for all of your support. Thank you for your super chats. Um, Pitchforks Dragon said the music upgrade because she's fitting to be in the bay on the 22nd. Yee. Yes, I am. Um, ENC demanding the bookshelf tour um raw bear dragon too serious in this economy Re referring to the music exactly um 
Herium Bifidum says, no, Fran, you're not demonetized. Don't act like me. Some loser troll might flag the stream. Oh, true, 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 true. Uh, you're not a loser troll. You just gave a super chat. But, you know, some people super chat to talk shit, which I think is insane. I mean, I'll take your money. Um, Robert, thank you for your super chat saying, guys, I'm having plug trouble, and that's how babies get made. Wow. It's like, yeah, it, we just, the wrong USB is how it all happened. Um, Fun P says, placenta tea is super underrated. I'm reading the rest of this comment because you donated money, but otherwise I don't want to read this. Nothing beats it sashimi. Nope. 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 Don't like that comment. Placenta sashimi style. Although I will say this. I totally looked at my placenta. I was like, could I see it, please? Could I see it? And then I looked at it. It's cool, man. It's like, um, it looks like a little thing that like the matrix, like the little matrix babies are made in. Uh, anyway, and then Matt, my husband, did tummy time with the placenta, and then we said goodbye to it. Um, anyway, um, Jeremy Justice, thank you for your super chat. My mom worked a 16-hour day on a warehouse loading dock the day before she gave birth to my little sister. This was in 97. America's barely changed how it treats pregnant women in the workforce. Honestly, your mother is a fucking superhero, and I am sick of saying that because I hate that, like, when people go above and beyond and do things they should not be doing it's like oh my god you're amazing yay yes queen no 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 nobody wants to yes queen this we want to get paid we want to be restful we want to bring new life into this world bring all your stank asses into this world uh and not put ourselves at risk um if and when we choose to be parents that is right um Christian Hansen says Zuckerberg wanted his very own currency too, but Congress slammed that down. Yeah. I mean, it was, they're like, we know you. We've seen your face. I recognize them bangs. Mm-mm. Um, Gatling Combo says they're trying to make pilots fly alone with no co-pilot. Yes. We talked about that last week, but again, the, the greed of the airline industry knows no bounds. Um, uh, da, 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 Daniel Lee. He gave money to the opponents of a cohort progressive candidate I was part of last year. Daniel, thank you for being here. And yes, I know we're talking about Sam um, Bankman-Fried giving to Daniel's opponent. How dare you? Which is just like so insane. Um, big money doesn't usually get in that involved in, in primary. So it was significant. Absolutely significant. And I hope you're doing well, Daniel. Um, and Fun P, thank you for the adorable picture of you and your little angel. So freaking cute. Yes, I posted a photo of me and Karina on YouTube. Um, and with that, y'all, Mr. Kevin McLeod still making his appearance with the fart song. <laughs> Thank you to the patrons at $10 or more. I don't have any this week, but I just want to thank Dr. Silverback again. Um, thank you to the big tippers, Abdul Kargbo, who likes my Greta impression. It's not that good. Thank you to the Twitch subs, um, Rar Bear Dragon gifting one month tier one sub to Gomez, um, Willie Gus for cheering 100 bits, Arlan2 for resubscribing at one month tier one, Dory B, subscribe for one month tier one, subscribe for five months, five months, my favorite Tuesday afternoon stream. Thanks for your humor and insights. Thank you. And Rar Bear Dragon, 
also resubscribing. Thank you so much. And mother of Griffins resubscribed three days ago. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. Remember, we are here every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, we stream Twitch and YouTube. Thanks to producer Paige, to Maximilian Inhoff, to Alexandra Orness. Follow us on Twitter at Bituation Pod, TikTok at Franny Fio, and Instagram at Franny Fio. And remember, I do a show on Wednesdays on TYT called The Twitchuation Room, which is a very fun one hour, 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific five to five to six eastern six to seven eastern there we go hey five to six i don't know time anymore anyway fight the power fuck the patriarchy don't just bitch about it be about it <laughs>